Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, welcome to uh, Word of Truth Church. Uh, I'm sure this was as big a surprise for you all as it was for us to be here. Um, it's going to give you a, a couple updates. Uh, you know, I sent a text message yesterday that, that uh, Chris uh, had contracted uh, COVID, and uh, we're not sure where she contacted it. We we're trying to figure out, you know, that we talked to somebody and that we, that we haven't seen recently, but we don't really go out very many places anyway, so... We're not sure really where she contracted it, um, uh, and it could have been brought in, you know, by uh, me or Jared, so we don't know, so uh, we thought it'd be wise for us to uh, hunker down here and in this undisclosed bunker in Dayton, Tennessee, and, and uh, but Chris is doing well, and, and uh, she's getting better every day, and, and, um, uh, and actually, uh, we had gotten the... the COVID shots, and I was trying to decide whether or not to, to talk a lot about that. I don't really care for people to know that uh, we got um, uh, the vaccine. Um, you know, in, in all of these things, um, you know, of course, we talk a lot about this at church. Uh, from our perspective, well, whatever you do, you should, you should always do it in faith and you should never do it out of fear. And so we had talked about it, you know, do we want to get uh, the COVID-19 shots or not? And, you know, I was, for the most part, I was kind of ambivalent. I didn't really care either way. Um, you know, I know there's a lot of conspiracy theories out there, and, and I don't do things because of conspiracies, theories, and either way. I do things because I feel like that's what we need to do. Uh, and um, uh, and so, you know, just a, a background on, on that type of information. Uh, you know, if you remember the stories with Paul when he traveled, uh, he traveled with... Uh, of course, a lot of different companions, but two companions in particular that were of interest. One was uh, Timothy, and uh, Timothy had a, um, a Jewish mother and a Greek father, so he was of Jewish descent, at least halfway. Uh, and uh, uh, Paul had taken Timothy and actually went and got Timothy circumcised, which, if you know Paul's doctrine, you know Paul knew that there was nothing, no value inherently in being circumcised. Uh, from a spiritual standpoint, but because Timothy now was circumcised, Timothy had the right, the ability to go into the temple and synagogues with Paul as a Jew, uh, so that Paul could preach and um, uh, preach to the Jews. Uh, on the other hand, Titus was a Gentile, and it doesn't matter what Paul's doctrine was, uh, he wouldn't have been allowed to go into the synagogues or to the temple. So. You could have circumcised him, and, and even though there was a loophole in the Old Testament for uh, the Gentiles to be circumcised and come into the Jewish nation, you know that would have been seen as being you know an affront to the Jewish uh, cause there. So Paul never, uh, uh, in fact, he specifically mentioned that he never had Titus circumcised. So you know, the point of the discussion really is. Um, uh, you know, if you want to get, uh, if you want to receive the uh, COVID-19 vaccine, you know, that's perfectly fine. Um, you should do it because that's just something that you feel like you need to do. That'd be to your advantage. You know, for me and Chris and our and our family, you know, we travel a lot. And, you know, will there be restrictions on people without uh, COVID-19 shots? You know, I don't know. Um, and uh, is it worth the fight? You know, I don't know. I mean, Paul could have fought the fight with uh, Timothy and said well, it doesn't matter that he's circumcised if he believes in the Lord and so on and so forth. So, uh, you know, uh, whether you get the COVID-19 vaccine or not, you know, 
to me, it's, it's really neither here nor there. That's between you and the Lord. Um, uh, but I do encourage you if, you, if you choose to get it, then, you know, um, do it by faith. But if you choose not to get it too, don't, you know, don't not get it because of conspiracies and this or that. Um, you know, there's a thousand conspiracies of, you know, they put in, uh, mental controlling drugs in these vaccines. I don't know if that's true or not. It doesn't matter. The vaccine is not what's going to protect me either way. You know, I'm not, my faith is not in the vaccine. My faith is in the Lord regardless. So um, I, I would encourage you to be careful about a bunch of conspiracy theories because how do you really know that even that's true? You know, uh, do you have evidence? Do you have, well, so-and-so on Facebook said it. Well, that should tell you that that's questionable whether or not that's even true or not. So, um, so get the vaccine, don't get the vaccine, uh, whatever you do, do it in faith and, um, uh, and the Lord will be a, the Lord and you'll be okay with the Lord. Right. Um, and so don't get it because of fear. Don't not get it because of fear. Uh, and that's really, uh, make sure that that's what you do there. Uh, in fact, uh, we'd gotten the shot before, uh, Chris had contracted COVID. So, um, about a week before, maybe more than that, uh, um, before she was diagnosed with the COVID. Uh, so, but she's doing well. In fact, she's here uh, and um, she's not curled up in a fetal position somewhere. You know, she's doing well and recovering well. So um, we'll continue on and, and uh, we do covet your prayers and thank you for the ones that, that said that they'd be praying for Chris. Uh, we expect a full and complete recovery. The Lord's a 100% kind of God. He's not a 99% kind of God. So all is well. Uh, we will do well. And so, um, of course, we're back here uh, without uh, praise and worship. And and, um, uh, and so typically these services are a lot shorter because we don't have a bunch of announcements and we don't do um, uh, praise and worship. And so um, we're not going to try to wear you all out for the next hour and a half of preaching. So we'll preach as long as we believe we need to preach. And then... And then um, uh, We'll close up the service after that. Uh, we'll also have our um, healing school class today at 3 o'clock. And um, uh, I expect Chris to be fully recovered by Wednesday, but um, I think just uh, out of abundance of caution, we will have uh, church online on Wednesday as well. And then um, we'll come back to regular church next Sunday. So... Uh, so why don't we pray and then we'll get into the word today. So Father, we thank you for the word of God. And Father, we thank you for blessing us, being good to us, speaking to us each and every day. And Father, we thank you for this word, uh, Father, that you gave us the word of God to, to uh, expose your will to our lives, Father, to grant us revelation and insight into the plan of God each and every day. And Father, we thank you for the spirit of God that dwells in us, uh, Father, that causes us to be healed, to be well, to be strong, Father. We thank you for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, and so we, we have been talking about um, uh, overcoming, and um, our foundation scripture is in John uh, chapter 16, verse 33. Uh, and it says, These things uh, have I spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. Uh, in the world you, have, uh, you shall have tribulation. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Uh, and so, you know, that should be a good news to us because if Jesus overcame the world, he overcame the world on our behalf. Uh, and he did it uh, for our advantage. He did it so that uh, we don't have to fight that battle. He's overcome the world. Uh, 
So that means there's really nothing left for us to overcome uh, directly. I know First uh, John five fourteen says it, or five uh, four says this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. So our faith overcomes the world because Jesus overcame the world. So our faith is really just uh, in the faith that Jesus has done the work for us. So there's no real work for us to do. We just accept the work that Jesus had done. Uh, but I also wanted to read uh, this uh, verse 33 in a couple different translations. In the Amplified, it says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have perfect peace and confidence. In the world you, you have tribulation and trials and distress and frustration. But be of good cheer, take courage, be confident, certain, undaunted. For I have overcome the world. I have deprived it of power to harm you and have conquered it for you. Uh, so I like the amplified version of that. And, and, uh, I think we had uh, read this early on. Uh, but um, Jesus has uh, deprived the world of power to harm us and uh, has conquered it on our behalf. Now, Philip's translation says, I have told you all of this so that you may find your peace in me. You will find trouble in the world, but never lose heart. I have conquered the world. So, uh, you know, for Christians, we should, we should really live in a, in a life that we never lose heart, that we never get despondent, and we never think, you know, what's the point of these things? What's the point of uh, following the Lord? Uh, we should uh, uh, never lose heart. Uh, in fact, uh, I think on Wednesday night, we were talking about a verse that Chris had been reading. It says, take courage. Uh, you know, we, we should never lose heart. We should always take courage that... Um, Jesus has defeated the entire world on our behalf. So, you know, we have the ability to live in perfect peace. We have the ability to be confident. We have the ability to be in good cheer. Uh, we have the ability to be undaunted and to not be frustrated uh, because of the work that God has done, Jesus has done on our behalf. Uh, and, you know, that's the life really that the Lord wants the Christian to have, a life that's overcoming, a life that's victorious, a life that's free from the ravages of the tribulation. Um, you know, we have that ability to live that way every day. And, you know, COVID is a tribulation just like everything else is a tribulation. Uh, but Jesus has overcome all of these things. So so we can be of good cheer, amen? Uh, and um, that, that's really an area that I think the church can, can uh, work on as far as learning how to live a life that's uh, free from all of these uh, entanglements and and um, really it's the result of the tribulation. So it's not so much the tribulation, Jesus, that you're going to have tribulation, but uh, for us as Christians, you know, how do we respond in the midst of these tribulations? Uh, do we dis- do we respond with being depressed and sad? Do we respond by being overwhelmed? Uh, do we respond by uh, being uh, defeated in our minds and uh, and, you know, usually you can tell uh, how much faith the Christian is walking in by, in the midst of their tribulation, what's their testimony? What are their words? Uh, you know, if the words are, here we go again, you know, that's not really the words that Jesus is saying that we should be speaking, right? Uh, uh, I'm always the first one to get this. I'm always the first one to, to fail in this area. Uh, I'm never going to get out of this situation. Um, you know, those are, those are all words that... Uh, are common in the Christian walk if uh, we haven't found the faith of these verses. And so, 
you know, these verses are good verses for us to, to review our own, our own lives and see, um, you know, are we living up to the potential of what these verses say that we can live in, right? That uh, if Jesus has really overcome the world, then it's just a thing. Everything that we deal with is just something that uh, we have to uh, deal with, and it's not something that we can't overcome. It's not something that we can't defeat. It's not something that's going to uh, destroy our lives. It's just something that we overcome. Uh, and so, you know, in that, you know, we should have uh, great peace and great uh, cheer uh, for this area. So we had talked about the, the different churches then, um, about um, uh, over in the book of Revelation, chapters 2 and 3, and um, and what what those churches, um, the examples that they left for us, right? And I'm trying to find here that, uh, yeah. Um, so why don't we just turn over to the book of Revelation and we'll, we'll continue there. So we looked at the first two churches, which was Ephesus and Smyrna, uh, and uh, and what the Lord had uh, told them. And, I, and in studying this, you know, I thought it was really interesting that... Uh, both of them had areas that the Lord wanted them to overcome. Uh, and uh, But he gave different instructions to them specifically about how they needed to overcome. Uh, and, uh, you know, with uh, remember with uh, Ephesus that the, the Lord said that they left their first love and their first love was walking in faith and walking in love. Uh, and, you know, had they gotten respectable? I don't know. You know, it was because they grew to be such a large church you know, we don't know all the root causes of all of those things, but they had left their first love and, and, and were not uh, following the things that, um, that the Lord had originally uh, uh, put in their hearts. And that's pretty common for churches, really any ministry that uh, starts out in the Lord, starts out in the move of God, and then for whatever reason we get respectable or, you know, uh, maybe a lawyer shows up, and we want to we want important people to come to our church, and you know, and, and, and you know, and in that, uh, you know, we should never uh, desire for important people not to come to our church. That's not any better than uh, desiring, you know, only rich people to come to our church or only poor people to come to the church. We should desire people to come to our church. Period, uh, and then not be influenced by who comes. Uh, we're there to influence the people that come, and we're not we're not supposed to be influenced by the people that do come. So uh, it's fine for for uh, for important people to come to church, and there's a lot of humble, important people that are not there to try to be somebody or to act like they're somebody. Uh, but that can be a that can be an issue sometimes if it's somebody that's important, and then uh, and then we change. Uh, and leave our first love because we want to be seen as being respectable. And uh, so we should always be careful. And, and you know, I do some, hear sometimes where people will rail against people of position or power. And, uh, you know, they act like they only want poor people to come to their church. And, um, you know, all of those things are, are really uh, bigotry from the church. You know, we, we don't dissuade anybody unless they're an open sin. Uh, and even in that case, you know, if uh, even if they're in open sin, if they if they come to find repentance, if they come to find the Lord, then I mean, we should let them come to church. We should want them to be at church because I mean, where are they going to get the most help is at church. So, um, you know, uh, in all of these things, we should be led by the Spirit of God. There's a lot of warnings about these types of things, especially in these churches, and, and as we go through them, we'll look at them. And so, uh, for for the uh, uh, the church 
at uh, Ephesus, he told them to repent, to do, uh, and to remember. Remember to repent and do were the three things he told them to be able to overcome. Uh, and, you know, that's a good thing. Remember. Remember where you came from. Uh, in fact, that's what he said. Remember from the height from which thou hast fallen. Remember where you were. Remember uh, your legacy. Uh, and I see a lot of Christians uh, forsake their legacies of faith. Uh, you know, my legacy is uh, Kennedy Hagan, Lester Sumrall, uh, 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 Smith Wigglesworth, people like that. And uh, and I still read, you know, I've read things that Smith Wigglesworth read a hundred wrote a hundred years ago, and it's still as accurate today as it was a hundred years ago. It's still as real and relevant today as it was a hundred years ago when he spoke it. And he never wrote things, but people wrote down things that he said, and and uh, they would come and interview him for magazine articles, and, and uh, uh, he would respond to to them, and and uh, they would record what he said, and reading those things. Um, it's the same things that the church is dealing with today. So um, for us to forget our legacy in the church, uh, and you know, the worst words that I think I ever hear is God is doing some new thing. <laughs> you know, Because that always makes me a little nervous because, well, what new thing is he doing? I mean, the Bible literally says there's nothing new under the sun. Now, I understand in times of revival that he, he will revive certain things. But uh, that revival should not cause us to change direction. It shouldn't cause us to enhance and to elevate the things which the Lord has spoken to us uh, over the years. And so he told the church at Ephesus to remember, to repent, uh, and to do. Uh, And to the church at Smyrna, you know, he had several things about them that that they had been, uh, well, the one negative for Smyrna was that they were allowing people that were of the synagogue of Satan to stick around them. Uh, and so, uh, in fact, when we get to later on, we'll see, you know, again, that it's just because somebody uh, is not 100% right with the Lord doesn't mean we get rid of them. But if they're, uh, they say they were Jews, but they were really of the synagogue of Satan. So they were wolves in sheep's clothes, right? They, they wanted to present themselves as being one thing when they were, in fact, something else. Uh, and that level of hypocrisy is a real problem in the church because there's people all the time who come and say, I love God, I love the Lord, and yet they're gossiping about everybody in the church or they're backstabbing everybody in the church or they're sowing discord in the church. Uh, you know, those are wolves in sheep clothing. And those are the folks that I find that I have the hardest time to deal with in the church. It's not even the people that, that are failing in their lives, that have got sin in their lives. It's the people that say they're one thing, but they're really another thing. Uh, and... Um, uh, you know, the, the Lord said that you tolerate these folks. Uh, and, uh, and I understand there's a certain, there is always a certain level of tolerance that you, you uh, provide for people who desire to change but are struggling with their change. Um, and Jesus, like, like everything, he's not making a law that just because somebody is failing that we throw them out. Uh, but, you know, these folks did not want to change. They, they were glad that they were of the synagogue of Satan. They were trying to destroy this particular work at Smyrna. Uh, and, uh, uh, and you know, he never says that any of these people are not Christians. Um, uh, and I have observed that, uh, you know, the, the biggest problem we have in the church is those Christians. You know, it's, it's in fact, I don't know that I, I know a case where a person who is not a born-again Christian and didn't confess the Lord Jesus had come into the church to stir up strife. Uh, and so... Uh, are they Christians? Well, you know, I'm not their judge. If they confess that to be a Christian, then, then I'll leave it at that. Um, but, um, 
but that was the, the issue with um, uh, with the church at Smyrna, and he and he told them two things. He said, "Don't fear, uh, and uh, be faithful." Were the two things that he instructed the church at Smyrna to do. And you know that that uh, I think the fear part. Um, you know, when these people come in, especially these uh, these high flute people that are, are wolves in sheep's clothing, you know, one of the ways they control the church is fear. Well, we're gonna we're gonna shut this church down, or we're going to take our money and go somewhere else, or you know, we're gonna tell people that you know that you know tell tell people lies about your church, uh, and that causes sometimes people to be in fear, and, and they will do whatever they can to keep that person from doing those things. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, maybe it's just because of the way the Lord has made me. You know, I don't fear, I don't fear uh, any man. Uh, in fact, I remember one thing that somebody had said about Smith Wigglesworth that he feared God so much that he feared no man. And that's really a great place to be is, uh, you know, I just, I'm not afraid of what people say, you know. And I know people say things about our church. Uh, because, you know, we, we speak in other tongues and we prophesy and we lay hands on the sick and um, and, you know, people say things about us and, uh, you know, that, uh, uh, and then they, uh, you know, some people have been gotten mad and left the church and whether well, you can't get any help at that church and that church is just a cult and, you know, blah, 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 blah. You know, it's just, uh, I have no fear of what people says because uh, I believe anybody who loves the Lord could be comfortable in our church and love, uh, uh, and love fellowshipping with us. Uh, and, you know, sometimes people come with, with agendas and, uh, uh, you know, so I'm just, I'm not afraid of what people are going to say about our church. Uh, I mean, my Bible says that no weapon formed against us shall prosper. Uh, but, you know, but that goes for not just for our church, though. That goes for your own life. If, you know, people try to control your life with fear. Uh, and I believe really with this, all this COVID stuff that uh, a big concern I've had is the level of fear that people in positions have tried to put upon the earth to control the earth, you know, to say that you can't do anything in the, in the earth. Uh, and, uh, and anything motivated by fear uh, is, is not of God. Uh, and so um, the way that they have tried to control the earth, you know, by fear, uh, I don't believe has been godly at all. And uh, I think it's been a real root of the issue that people are so fearful of these things. Uh, so he told the church at Smyrna to overcome by doing those two things. Don't fear and be faithful. Uh, you know, being faithful means stay the course, right? Whatever the course is, uh, you know, that's what, it, that's what the, the church at Ephesus should have done. They should have been faithful over the first love that they had. Uh, in, in the case here, being faithful, staying the course, uh, you know, it means staying the course against those people that are trying to destroy your church, um, by being of the synagogue of Satan and uh, and not being who they say they are, so uh, we got to be faithful. We're not going to change. Uh, in fact, I had some people that had left the church. They said, "If you don't change, you know that's basically what they said. If you don't change, we're going to leave the church." So what they're asking me to do is to not be faithful over the over the uh, heavenly calling that the Lord had placed upon our ministry. Uh, the Lord had always has, has always had us follow in the faith of Brother Hagen and, you know, the things that he taught. And, and you know, I don't, I don't really consider myself a follower of Brother Hagen. Uh, I consider myself a follower of the faith that he gave to us, which is just the Word. You know, there's really nothing 
you ask what the doctrine of Brother Hagin was, there was really no doctrine of Brother Hagin. It's just he taught the Word, and we believe the Word. Uh, it's really not any more complicated than that. Uh, and so they said, you know, if you don't change, we're leaving. And they said it, you know, kind of with the, that tone in their voice. And, you know, that takes about a nanosecond for me to decide what to do. I mean, that's not, there's not a consideration. There's not a, oh, please stay, you know, I'll do my best to change. Uh, there's no way. I mean, there's, you know, if, if there, we're on a path for faith, and you say, you know, if, if you speak in more tongues again, we're leaving the church. You know, I see you in heaven. I mean, you know, I believe you go to heaven. I'm not your judge, but, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm staying the course. And, and uh, now the Lord can tell us to change and the Lord can tell us to, to enhance and to grow. And, you know, he's really been encouraging me uh, even in, in this season to yield more to the Spirit of God, more so than uh, he has even in the past. Yeah, but that's not changing. That's just adding to what uh, we are. Uh, you, we won't forsake the faith that we've always walked in. We won't change the doctrine we've always walked in. That doesn't mean that we know everything and that we're perfect. You know, if, as the Lord shows us things, we will change. But you know, people uh, get uncomfortable. They want to take things over, and and, um, and I've always thought that was odd. You know, these people that were that were of the synagogue of Satan, just start your own synagogue. You know, go start your own. Put a sign up, synagogue of Satan. And of course, nobody wants to do that because it takes work and effort. And, you know, they don't want to put the, the, the work into it. They just want to go destroy somebody else's work. And there's always going to be people like that. In every church, in every move of God, there's always going to be somebody that tries to take it over, change it, and make it something that it was never intended to be. Uh, and so uh, so that's the churches at Ephesus and Smyrna. But again, he never said, hey, get more faith and you can overcome. Hey, go uh, intercede and you'll overcome. Uh, go uh, do these difficult spiritual things and you'll overcome. He said, remember, repent, and do, and to, and to not be in fear, and, and to be faithful. Uh, and sometimes, you know, that's really, uh, there's, you don't need more word. You don't need more spirit. Uh, you don't need a, a visitation from heaven. Sometimes just doing the fundamental work of Christianity is what's necessary to overcome. Uh, and so, so now we made it to uh, the church at Pergamos. And uh, so we'll read uh, about that church. And it says in Revelation chapter 2, verse 12, And to the angel of the church at Pergamos write, These things saith he which hath the sharp sword with two edges. I know thy works, and where thou dwellest, even where Satan's seat is. You know, some people are called to, the ministry is called to be right in the middle of the worst areas of the world. Uh, and uh, this is where this church was at, that they, that, uh, they dwell right there where Satan's seat is. Uh, and thou holdest fast my name, and hast not denied my faith, even in those days when, where, wherein Antipas was my faithful martyr, who was slain among you, where Satan dwelleth. But I have a few things against thee, because thou hast held, uh, because thou hast there them that hold the doctrine of Balaam. So, not unlike the church at Smyrna, you got people in your midst that are unwilling to repent, and you're allowing them to stay. Uh, and uh, and Jesus Jesus specifically spoke to this church. I've got this against you. That's really tough. I think you know when the Lord specifically says, you know, I've got these things against you. Uh, that you hold the doctrine of Balaam. We'll talk about what the doctrine of Balaam is. Who taught Balak to cast a stumbling block before the children of Israel to eat things sacrificed unto idols and to commit fornication. Uh, so hast thou also them that hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans. Uh, which things I hate. Uh, and we have our visitor here today, 
Uh, and so re- he said, Repent, or else I will come unto thee quickly and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. He that hath an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh, I will give to eat of the hidden manna, and will give him a white stone, and in the stone a new name written, which no man knoweth, saveth he that receiveth it. So, uh, as Jesus is wont to do, he starts out and, and commends the church at, at Pergamos uh, about the good things they did. They did, uh, and that that particular city was a well-known city. Um, they had invented parchment there at that particular city, so uh, that was their claim to fame, right? And they had a big library there, and um, they had an, some important people that were born there. Um, uh, and so, you know, they were a fairly uh, well-known uh, city. Uh, and, he's, and so Jesus is telling them here, you know, here's some things I know about you that's good. Uh, and so the first thing is, he said, I know your works. Uh, of course, he knows all of our works, right? And now sometimes he says, I know your works and there's not a single good one, you know. So he knows all of our works, good and bad. Uh, so at least for this church, you know, it's a good thing. Uh, I know your works uh, and um, uh, you hold fast the name of Jesus. Uh, you hold fast his name. Uh, and I guess we're not going to drink any water today, huh? Uh, and uh, so... <laughs> This is just like regular church people just wandering around doing things in the middle of church, right? And so, uh, so uh, they held fast the name of Jesus. And, um, uh, you know, there's always pressure in the church to remove the name of Jesus. You know, they want to replace it with Christ, uh, with his son, uh, in his name. You know, they love all the things that sound like the name of Jesus, but not actually mention the name of Jesus. And, and uh, I always thought it was interesting. I mean, as a child of God, you know, we should love to say the name of Jesus. You know, we should say Jesus, 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 you know. And I'm not saying in a, in a vain way. I'm saying, you know, as, as uh, uh, that name that's above every name, that precious name of Jesus, you know. Uh, uh, and, and I have been in many services uh, where the name of Jesus was uncomfortable, that they were uncomfortable with, with uh, saying the name of Jesus. They can say everything about the Messiah. They can say, you know, the King of Kings. They can say the Lord of Lords. But they just have a hard time saying Jesus. And, I, you know, I think a church like that, if they were visited by the Lord Jesus, I think that that would be something that uh, he would have to say, you've got to straighten up. You know, you've got to be able to say mine. Because it's in it. it uh, remember what Peter said uh, when um, he spoke to the man at the gate beautiful in Acts chapter 3, you know, he said, uh, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And later on, he said, it's his name through faith in his name that made this man well. So it was the name of Jesus. It wasn't the name of the Messiah or the name of Christ. It was the name of Jesus that made the man well. So we need to hold fast the name of Jesus. We need to hold fast uh, that name uh, that has brought us victory. Uh, and, uh, and so he... He was commending them that uh, they, had, they had held fast the name of Jesus. And he said that you've not denied my, the faith. Uh, and, you know, I was thinking about this particular, that we've not denied the faith. Uh, you know, normally when we when we think that, you know, we think, okay, somebody has not backslidden, right? Somebody has not said, well, I'm no longer a Christian. But it's not that's not the only way we deny the faith because faith is a big topic and and uh, what, what, what areas has the church denied the faith in? We, we say that God doesn't do miracles anymore. Well, that's denying the faith. That God doesn't heal anymore. That's denying the faith. That God doesn't want you to be prosperous. 
That's denying the faith that God doesn't want you to be an overcomer. Uh, you know, just take what comes your way. Well, that's, that's really all of those things are denying the faith. Uh, and, uh, you know, I think a lot of the church is going to be really surprised when, we, when they get to heaven. Uh, and, and they start to whine and complain to the Lord Jesus about how hard their life was and how they never was uh, well and never were prosperous and never were victorious in their life. And, you know, uh, um, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't want to be around people like that because Jesus has given us everything. You know, he said in John 16, 33, you know, the foundation of Scripture for this birth, for these teachings that he's overcome the world. And, and, you know, his question is going to be, well, I thought I overcame the world. What part of the world did I not overcome on your behalf? Uh, and so, you know, I think, I think uh, uh, you know, there'll be a few folks that may be surprised when they, when they stand before the Lord Jesus and, um, and that he, he tells them how they denied the faith. Uh, that, uh, uh, you know, I thought I told you that I, that I would speak to you and lead you and guide you and to show you things to come. And yet you said that God doesn't speak and God doesn't lead and God doesn't guide that we are led and guided by natural circumstances. Uh, and that's really where a lot of the church is. So, you know, uh, so just just know that denying the faith is not walking away from the, your Christian position. Denying the faith is, is anything that you say that God doesn't do that he has done in the past. Uh, and uh, that God has stopped doing those things on our behalf. Uh, I mean, even the Old Testament, he said that he was our shield and our buckler and our high tower and the name of the Lord, you know. Uh, and that no weapon formed against us shall prosper. Uh, and, and if we say, well, I'm always the first one to, to lose, well, then, uh, you know, I'm afraid that that person's going to get one over on me. Then that's really saying that the faith of the, of the Word is no longer valid in our lives. And so uh, we don't ever want to be found to be against Jesus. We don't ever want to be found to be against His faith. We don't ever want to be found to be against what His Word has said that, uh, you know, 2 Corinthians one twenty says, For all the promises of God are in Him, yes, and in Him, amen, unto the glory of God by us. Well, that's a true and faithful promise. Uh, do we hold fast to that promise? Uh, and then he talks about uh, uh, Antipas, uh, which we don't know, but the tradition tells us that uh, he was the bishop there at Pergamos. Uh, maybe he's a pastor over that church. And uh, that uh, he was put to death by being... It says he was put to death by being enclosed in a burning brass bull, which sounds really painful, right? And they took a bull, and I mean, who thinks up this stuff, right? Let's make a bull made out of brass, you know, like a big tub, uh, and then we're going we're gonna, to uh, put something in there to, to make a fire, probably oil or something like that, or oil-soaked, you know, rags or material. Uh, and then we're going to light it on fire. Then we're going to stick this guy inside of it and close up the bull. You know that that's you know that's basically a pressure cooker uh, of this of this minister. These are terrible people, and there was probably uh, other people who professed the name of God who did these things because you know in in the history of like Fox's Book of Martyrs, uh, the majority of people were killed by the church uh, in Fox's Book of Martyrs, and so it was it was probably not unreasonable to to, to uh, that it was a other church people that had crucified. Uh, the pastor here, and Jesus mentions him by name. Uh, my faithful uh, uh, servant there, right? Uh, and so, uh, you know, that, that's, uh, he called him his faithful martyr. Uh, you know, he was faithful until the end. 
and and no doubt, you know, someone may have said, well, you know, unless you get new chairs, we're going to burn you in this bull ride, or unless you get new carpet, you know, we're going to put you on fire, put you in this burning brass bull. Um, you know, who knows what the thing was. That, um, uh, it could very well have been that they didn't like his doctrine, his teaching, and, and that they martyred him and, and murdered him because they wanted him to change his doctrine and teaching. And, uh, uh, you know, it, it's... Uh, um, these are, are terrible people who do these things, ungodly people who do these things, and many times, often in the name of the Lord. Uh, and, um, you know, the, the Lord, He does not take kindly to us treating His people poorly. Uh, and, um, you know, it's been my observation that the most wonderful people that I've ever met are part of the Lord Jesus and His church. Uh, and on the other hand, that the, the, the most unkind people I've ever met have also been in the church uh, and those things ought not be so but they are so because uh, the 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 religious uh, fervor that people fall under that is not godly uh, will cause people to do the most unkind things in the name of the Lord uh, and the, the most cruel things in the name of the Lord and I've had the most cruel things said to me in the name of the Lord uh, and uh, you know I, I know my heart that I have no desire to harm anybody or to, to have no desire to do anything but help and assist people. Uh, and, but, you know, I've, I've learned from my forefathers that, you know, uh, for uh, uh, Smith Wilkesworth, uh, you know, Smith Wilkesworth, if you ever followed his ministry, he had such a great revival in his heart with the Lord that, you know, at one point he had actually backslid and, and his wife was still a preacher. Uh, and uh, because of her faithfulness to the Lord, she, she got Smith back on track. Uh, and that was before Smith had been known for doing great and spectacular miracles of God and raising many people from the dead. Uh, he he recovered himself because of the kindness of his of his wife. Uh, and Smith was very gruff and uh, and really had no desire to, to suffer any fools at all. People were foolish. He had no time for that. Uh, and um, uh, just wouldn't put up with anything. And if the Lord told him to do the most amazing things, he would just do the most amazing things, punch people. And he drop kicked a baby one time, you know. And, uh, I mean, who does that, right? Uh, and uh, Smith did that because that's what the Lord instructed him to do to obtain healing on behalf of this person, this child, or this, or this adult. You know, he would take a dead body off the, you know, out of the coffin and throw it up against the wall and command life to come back into it. And we want to believe that. That's fine, you know. Um, you know, it's uh, that's for you to decide, you know. But uh, there's too many witnesses for these things not to be so. Uh, and so, but two weeks before he died, you know, he was praying for somebody in a prayer line, and they died. And you know, that's uh, we're nobody's judge. If somebody dies in a prayer line, well, you don't know what was going on in their heart. Well, why couldn't you? Why couldn't you get them healed? Well, maybe they didn't want to be healed. Maybe. They were ready to go home to be with the Lord, and somebody else pressured them into go go into the into the line. And I know I've had plenty of people pressure me into do things to do faith. You know, just get hands laid on you. Well, I'm not ready for that. Just shut up and do it anyway. Uh, in the church, uh, and um, you know, so we don't know why that person died, but this this woman came up and just just raked him over the. It's your fault that they're dead. Well, he didn't put sickness on him. He didn't put disease on him. He didn't. You know, he didn't die for them. Uh, it had nothing to do with Smith uh, and uh, that they died. 
but they blamed him in, in, in public, you know, just in front of everybody. You know, it's your, your fault why my, my you know, uh, family member had died. And within two weeks, Smith had died. And, and reading his uh, uh, biographies, the impression I always got is that it broke his heart that somebody accused him of some manner of evil that he hadn't done. Uh, and, uh, and, and I had found in my own life that, you know, people that walk the closest with God, that the, the more they walk with God, the more tender their hearts are. And, and that if they're not careful, they will allow, allow that tenderness to be broken by the unkindness, unkind words of other people. And so, you know, I've learned that from folks like Smith. I'm going to do my best to be more kind every day. Uh, but I will not allow a fool to come and, and to destroy my life because of some uh, uh, devilish words that they want to speak. Because otherwise, Jesus would have had to leave the earth early. Uh, how many unkind things? I mean, he's the ultimate, right? The most kind person, and yet the most evil things were said to him, you know? So I'm going to learn from my master and not be bitter. A lot of, a lot of times people will learn, uh, they will learn uh, to protect themselves by being bitter. Well, everybody's going to say evil things about me. I don't believe that. Um, I believe that everybody loves me. And unless you tell me otherwise, I, I'm going to believe the best out of you. Uh, and so, so uh, you know, that this, uh, this, this minister was burned in a uh, brass bull. That's just mean. You know, that's just mean-spirited, right? Uh, and, and the thing I've observed about religious people is they can be the meanest, most hateful people, and the zeal of hatred can be can so inflame them, and so consume them because someone won't yield to their religious uh, ideas, and they will get so mad at that, and and to the point that they they go beside beyond themselves and do insane things like burning somebody like this. I mean, you think about Stephen in Acts chapter seven that all he said was, you know, God wants to move on and and, uh, and be good to everybody. Uh, and, you know, he said, of course, you did, did uh, accuse him of killing the Lord. <laughs> there was that little point there. But, but they got so mad, so they stopped up their ears and they stoned him. And, and he really didn't say anything all that uh, unkind to him. Uh, but they get so worked up. Uh, so, you know, it's going to happen. There will be people in your lives that get so worked up, and I've had plenty of people in my life that get so worked up because I will not yield uh, to their ungodliness uh, in the church. Uh, and, um, and they get so mad, and they'll try to say things to harm you and, and to, to be most unkind things about you. And they'll find the one thing, just like with Smith, they found the one thing that he was kind, and, and they tried to destroy that by saying that it was his fault that somebody died. Uh, and I've had people find things that, that, I, that I hold most precious and dear to me and say the very thing. Well, how would they know to say that very thing that would harm me the most? They know because they're full of the devil. Uh, now, you know, I'll probably see them in heaven. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it may take them to get into heaven to they repent, you know, but uh, um, I believe that they'll repent someday. And so uh, I hope they do because it would be to their advantage that they repent. Uh, and so uh, he did have some negatives against him. You know, they, they were, uh, they didn't have the faithful servant there. They had not denied the faith. He knew their works. They were good works. Uh, but there was this thing about Balaam, right? Uh, he, that they uh, suffered and allowed the people uh, of Balaam to be there uh, with them, the doctrine of Balaam, he called it. 
And if you remember Balaam, there was really two things about Balaam that was a problem. Well, I mean, that's, that's probably kind, you know. There's probably a lot of things that were uh, dealing with Balaam that was, that was a problem. But if you remember, uh, the, they, they tried to pay Balaam to curse uh, the nation of Israel. Uh, and so there was the, the, there's an issue here with money, right? They tried to um, pay um, Balaam to curse God. Uh, and so uh, he called it the doctrine of Balaam. Uh, so that was the first thing that was of the doctrine of Balaam, you know, related to money, right? Doing things that are ungodly for the purpose of money. Uh, and, um, you know, how many times has a church done ungodly things for the purpose of getting money? Uh, and, uh, you know, how many churches, you, know, you see them on TV begging, you know, if you don't send us money, we're going to cry, we're going to go under, you know, and, let them go under. I mean, you know, if, if uh, you know if, if they're going to manipulate people by their emotions to obtain money, that that's really no different than Balaam. That's a doctrine of Balaam, uh, manipulating people for money. Uh, and um, you know, I've heard the the most amazing stories about people who just do the craziest things for the benefit of money in the church over the many years. Uh, and uh, I remember one story that these people came into the church and they were the ministers and. They had a white sheet and they tacked a white sheet on the wall. And they said, we're not leaving this church until that white sheet is green. And you had to go and, and uh, you know, get a safety pin or duct tape or something and put it on the, you know, put your money on the, on the sheet. And sure enough, when the sheet got all green, they left. They took the sheet down and left. <laughs> you know, that that's, I just can't, that's just, you know, uh, I, I mean, I believe the story because I know the people who told the story and I have no reason to, to believe they lied, but that's amazing that a story like that happens in a church, you know. Uh, and, um, uh, I mean, I could tell you story after story of people who did things for money. You know, Jack Cole was always the, the story about money that uh, that he would receive an offering immediately after uh, getting somebody healed. He'd stop the service and receive an offering and, uh, and, and uh because he knew that people were willing to give big once they saw a miracle. So he was selling the miracles of God, and he died a young man. He died at 38 years old uh, because he, he held to the doctrine of Balaam. Uh, and, um, you know, uh, I remember years ago that uh, Dr. Dufresne, when he was on the earth, the Lord had told him to go and deal with uh, this money in the church that, that uh, these phone companies were selling phone cards back when when long distance phone calls was a thing, right? I mean, now I mean, you get nationwide calling, and and um, you don't even think about it. But there was a day. So this is for all of our young people. There, there was a day when uh, it costs a dollar a minute to, to call long distance phone calls, and and so after nine o'clock, they got cheaper, right? It might be fifty cents or forty cents a, a minute to call. You know, I, uh, you know, I don't know all the exact numbers of that. Uh, and so, uh, but then they started having these phone companies that were not, you know, the, the regular phone companies, but they would sell phone cards at a discount and, and, um, you could get, you know, a phone call for 25 cents a minute or whatever it was. And so the way they sold them, they, they got into the church and they said, pastor, if you will get people under you to sell these phone cards, you know, they buy a $10 phone card and, and they could refill it after they got done with their $10 of phone calls. If you get your people to sell these cards for you, then it's a multi-level marketing scheme. So the more people under you, the more money you get. So if you got 20 people under you, then you know you get a cut from their sales. But if those 20 people get 20 people under them, now you got 400 people 
uh, under you and you get a you get a cut of all the sales. So there were ministers making a lot of money and the pastors making a lot of money doing that. Well, that's the doctrine of Balaam. That's selling God to obtain money. Uh, and, you know, around here, we're not opposed to money at all. We, we uh, uh, you know, we give everybody an opportunity to, to provide, uh, uh, to uh, give offerings to the Lord. We encourage people to pay their tithes. You know, we believe that, uh, according to the Word of God, that, you know, you should give at least 10% of your income to the Lord. And I say at least because really 100% of our funds are owned by the Lord, so he can do whatever he wants to with my money. Uh, but, you know, 10% is kind of a, uh, you know, table stakes. And, and then after that, you know, you can do as the Lord instructs you to do. Uh, but we make no big push for money. You know, what we do encourage people what the, what the Word says. Uh, and so there are ministers, uh, pastors selling you know, getting people to work for them in the church and, and making them money. And, and the Lord spoke to Dr. Dufresne as a pat, as a prophet. You go and straighten it up. Well, he didn't once want to do that because he knew, and it happened, that as soon as he starts saying, don't do that, people stopped calling him. People did. And, 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 and he said, well, look, Lord, I did what you said, and then people stopped calling me. And he said, I, didn't, I thought I was your source and not these pastors. And so... Uh, so he, he had to straighten up and do that anyway. And yeah, there was some short-term uh, results from that in the negative sense that people, well, I'm working, we're not going to have you in our church. Uh, and, and um, you know, that's always the way, you know, everybody loves the Lord, everybody loves the Spirit of God until he tells you to straighten up and then we don't love the Spirit of God no more, you know. And, and Jesus said he love, He chastises those whom he loves, those whom he loves. And so, you know, uh, they should have straightened up and, and thanked uh, Dr. Dufresne for telling that. Uh, yeah, it would have cost them a short-term financial loss because they would have had to stop that, and they should have stopped it. Uh, and, and uh, you know, I remember even a small thing many years ago with my pastor that I was at the church one day. I was in school, but, uh, you know, between classes, I would go hang out at the church a lot. Uh, and um, so I was there one day, and this fellow came in and said, hey, you know, I'll clean your chairs, you know, so much a chair. Uh, and, you know, we had the same kind of chairs that my pastor's church, we do at our church, you know, those cloth individual chairs and and they didn't need to be cleaned every now and then and and so uh he said I'll, you know so much a chair and he said I, he said i'll tell you what pastor he said if you'll get up in the pulpit and tell everybody that uh you know my name and my business name uh and, and tell them that i do this kind of work that i clean drapes and furniture and you know sofas and whatever he said if you do that he said if, if you do that i'll clean these chairs for free so he was basically asking the pastor to advertise for him uh, to get a discount. Uh, and, and so um, he was basically asking the pastor to sell his position for the cost of cleaning those chairs. Well, you know, I'm watching this, because you know, I always was trying to, to watch my pastor because I could learn a lot more watching him. And then, you know, if I was doing the speaking, I wasn't doing any listening. And so I, I would watch him and... And so the pastor looked at him and said, you need to leave right now. Uh, and the guy just, you know, he's like, well, what do you mean leave right now? You need to leave right now. Well, uh, well, you know, I, I didn't mean anything about that. You need to leave right now. Well, I didn't mean to offend you. He said, you didn't offend me. You need to leave right now. Uh, and he did. Uh, he made the fellow leave. And, you know, and we paid somebody else to do the cleaning of the chairs. Because uh, yeah, he wasn't going to be known to sell his position. Uh, but this happens in the church all the time. You know, people a lot of time hint around, hey, I'm a big giver, and, you know, as long as you don't teach this thing over here, then I'll keep being a big giver, or, 
I'm a big giver, you know, as long as you do what I say, you know, and design the church that way that I want it designed, you know, then 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 I'll I'll do uh, you know, I'll continue to be a big giver. Uh, and um, you know, uh, that's the doctrine of Balaam. That uh, we're gonna control the church by money. Uh, and um, and the church needs to be aware of that because uh, you know that's a real thing that happens today. People will try to control the church by, well, you know, I'm a big giver, and if you don't do what I say, I'm going to leave. You know, church never needs to be in a financial position that they are dependent on people. Uh, and and um, you know that doesn't mean that they can't get a loan. It means that they, you know, it's not about any of those things. But they can, they should never be in a position where they are beholden to anybody for money. Uh, and uh, if they are, then then they will be susceptible to yielding to these types of uh, pressures to change. Uh, and uh, you know, it, it's um, uh, you know, my pastor. I'm not sure that he had the best attitude about that. You know, because he said I don't trust anybody. You know, and, and uh, you know, I don't believe that's a that's an appropriate uh, attitude to have because I think there's plenty of trustworthy people in every church. Uh, and um, you just have to be careful that, that your faith for finances in the ministry are not in people. My faith for our ministry and the funds that our ministry has is in the Lord. Uh, and, you know, uh, if there are people in our church that can't afford to give, then the Lord will bring other people that can afford to give. Uh, and hopefully the folks who can't afford to give in the church will grow in faith and, and learn how to be uh, a participant in the giving in the church uh, but my faith is not uh, in people at all. It's just in the Lord. So I'm not afraid. Well, you know, I don't have the attitude. Well, you know, all these people in church are never going to give. It's it's got nothing to do with nothing. My faith is in the Lord. Uh, and so when my faith is in the Lord, then if somebody tries, and I've had minor things where people said, "Hey, Pastor, if you if you answer this question, I'll put a big offering in the in the offering." Uh, I mean, that's the dumbest thing in the world. You know, I just tell you the answer for free, right? I mean, I'm not going to sell you the answer. Uh, and uh, and so, um, you know, I've only had minor uh, run-ins with people like that. Uh, and um, and so, uh, but I have heard many stories like that in the church. Uh, that's an issue. And so, got to be careful. Doctrine of Balaam is a big issue in the church uh, that we're doing things for money. Uh, and uh, and we're not saying certain things because of money, or we are only saying certain things because of money, or we're only doing things because of money. Uh, the church should be led by the Spirit of God, do what they believe is right to the best of their uh, heart, and um, uh, and I believe if you do that, the, the finances will always be there. You know, Our ministry, we're not a big ministry, but we've always been uh, financially stable. We've never wanted for funds uh, when we needed them. Uh, and, um, you know, we've, uh, as a ministry, we've bought two buildings, uh, and, um, you know, we had a small, uh, loan on one of them, which is almost paid off. Uh, and, uh, it, I believe it'll be paid off this year. Uh, you know, for a church our size to be able to do that, you know, that, that's pretty good, I think. Uh, and, uh, and, you know, like I said, we've never hurt for money. We, we will never hurt for money. We will always have the funds to do whatever we need to do. And we give a lot of money away. I mean, we give... We tithe everything that comes in the church. We tithe uh, that uh, to uh, specifically to the uh, ministry of Randall Greer. The Lord instructed us to do that to send a tithe of our. Uh, and I know a lot of churches couldn't afford to tithe. They, you know, they say, oh, if we tithe, you, just, you know, there won't be any money. 
Uh, and I'm not anybody's judge, but I believe the Word of God does instruct the churches that we should tithe to other ministries. Uh, and so, so, and I believe it should be one and only one ministry, you know, that, but uh, that's really between you and the Lord. Uh, and um, I think it's healthy to do that. Um, and um, I think it'd be to your advantage. But we also give a lot of money away. We give a lot of money away to other ministers. Uh, we give a lot of money away to uh, people in the church that need it. Uh, we give food away. You know, we, we don't give a lot of financial assistance to people outside the church because that's not the ministry of the Lord Jesus to fund the earth, you know, it's, it's to fund the church. Uh, and so, uh, but uh, we're going to watch and be careful about the uh, the doctrine of Balaam, right? Uh, and uh, and so, uh, just just be careful. There was other th- some things that he talked about, the Nicolaitans, and, uh, and again, if you remember, I think it was with the church at Ephesus, that he said that you don't hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans. You know, he said that was a good thing. And you remember the Nicolaitans uh, had the idea that, uh, you know, wives are community property, uh, that uh, we can just swap wives and, and, um, and then, you know, no restraints on any kind of sexual uh, sins, that there was no such thing as sexual sins, that, you know, as long as you love somebody, it's okay, right? Well, we hear that today, right? Uh, as long as you love somebody, it doesn't matter what you do, uh, which uh, is not what Jesus told the woman at the well, right? To go get your husband. And, and, uh, and she said, I have no husband. He said, that's right. The, the five you've had before uh, were your husbands, and the one you've got now is not your husband. Uh, and, uh, and so just because you got somebody doesn't mean that you're married, right? We're not mad at anybody. It's just the, what, what the Word says, right? Uh, marriage is, is a public vow that you declare before God and witnesses, uh, that you choose to be with a single person all the days of your life and that you vow as an act of your word to be with that person. That's a big thing. I think it's a big thing. You're, you're establishing a covenant with another person on the earth. Just shacking up with somebody is, is not a covenant. You know, it's just, it's, it's an it's a act of convenience. Uh, and that doesn't mean people don't love each other. Even in those situations, you know, I think you can love somebody. It's just not uh, God's best and, and, uh, you know, God's always got better for us. And if we'll do His will and do things according to His will, uh, things will be good. So so Jesus said there's people, again, uh, that everybody can be your wife, you know, and, and uh, that just, you know, just do whatever you want to physically and all is well. And um, it, It's, you know, it's a mess. And, and people say, well, we need to be relevant. Well, this is exactly the things going on in the church today. This is about as relevant as you get, you know. Uh, and so... Uh, for the now for the church at uh, um, uh, here in um, uh, where we have Pergamos, uh, he only told them to do one thing. Uh, he told them repent in verse sixteen. He said, "Repent, or else I will come quickly and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth." So we're, we'll pick this up next week. I think uh, we'll just finish up there because we got a, a few more things we want to talk about here at the church. Uh, but in this case, you know, the other churches he gave him a few things to do. This church is one thing, repent. You've got to change your course right now. Stop what you're doing. Go in a different direction. And sometimes uh, that's what you've got to do. You've got to stop what you're doing, and you've got to go in a different direction. Uh, and, uh, uh, and you know, there's not a lot of other details about what to do. He does give us some encouragement about some things that we'll look at. Uh, but for them, he said to repent. Now, they had some good things, right? Remember earlier on, he, he gave them some good things that they were doing, uh, but uh, but they did um, allow the doctrine of Balaam and this doctrine of Nicolaitans to come in, 
Uh, and money and sex, money and sex. Well, those are two common failings of every human being on the earth, right? Money and sex. And so um, if that's not relevant today, you know, then I don't know what is, right? Uh, and so uh, so uh, we'll, we'll pick this up. Uh, I believe we need to, to finish there. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll try to get them out of the hole here, right? They're kind of in a hole, but uh, Jesus said repent, and, and uh, he's given us some instructions to get out of this hole there. So, uh, well, why don't we pray, and we'll thank the Lord uh, for his word today. So, Father, we thank you for the word of God. And Father, we thank you for uh, the examples that you gave to us in these churches, Father. You never just kicked any of them to the curb and said, you know, uh, you know get out of my face. I never want to see you again. Uh, you always gave them a way out. And, and so, Father, it doesn't matter how deep of a hole that we've dug in our individual lives. There's always a way out. Father, you desire to give us a way out. Uh, and so, Father, we thank you that uh, whatever the specifics that you instruct us to do, as with this church at Pergamos, you instructed them to repent, to change the course they were on, to stop what they're doing, and to change the direction. And Father, sometimes you look at us and you tell us that's exactly what you need us to do, to stop what we're doing and to change the course and the direction of, of our lives. And so, Father, we thank you that if that's your instruction for, for us today, Father, then no matter the cost of us stopping what we're doing, uh, Father, we will do that, uh, and we will change the course in, in the direction, Father. And so, Father, we give you the praise and the honor for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God. Well, good to see everybody again, at least the ones that uh, I can see here at my table. Uh, and I hope everybody else got to see us online today. And uh, we will continue on. We'll give you an update, Miss Chris, as things go along. But uh, like I said, she's recovering well, and she'll, do, she'll be just fine. And... Um, uh, we'll let you know, um, as far as I know, we'll be here, we'll be back at the church on uh, Sunday next week. Uh, but between now and then, you all be blessed. Don't forget we have healing school today at 3 o'clock, and 